when I had that introspection for myself, I was like, bro, I really don't know who I am. And then the more that I had that conversation, I started to realize I didn't know who the man was in the mirror because I started to be so far away from who I was as a ranger or who I was doing protection. I was so far removed from that man. And I had been, I couldn't cultivate who I was as a man in the real world that I just was kind of floating around aimlessly. Kind of like you said, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I had nobody to talk to. I didn't have a circle of men that I trusted. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. Have you ever questioned where your definition of manhood came from? Have you ever taken time to define for yourself what it even means to be a man? And are you truly present for your life? Are you sure? Well, in this episode, my guest Johnny L. Sasser and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. I really like Johnny. I met Johnny in person about a year ago at a mutual friend's birthday party and I instantly took a liking to him. His presence was, no, it is infectious. Johnny served in the U.S. Army during the Iraq War in the Elite 2nd Battalion 75th Ranger Regiment. So uh, Johnny was an Army Ranger during the Iraq War, which is pretty damn intense. And afterwards, he spent a few years doing paramilitary work protecting U.S. ambassadors to Iraq. And after a period of feeling lost and disoriented in the transition from always vigilant, combat-ready military operator to just regular old civilian life, he has since moved through those challenges to today be a leader in the men's coaching community. He's also the host of the podcast, The Art of Masculinity. And in this episode, Johnny and I talk about the challenges men go through on their journey to manhood particularly the very process of even defining what it means to be a man. We talk about what it looks like when a man is present to his everyday life and why that matters. Johnny also shares one of his key practices that he uses to help men stay oriented every day towards the life that man is committed to living. But real quick, before we dive in, I want you to know that Elevate 2023, that's my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life, is now open for enrollment. I'm only inviting 10 men to go through all of 2023 with me personally on an adventure of a lifetime. Now, who's this for? It's for you if you've achieved some level of success, yet you still feel unfulfilled or you're simply seeking a greater level of fulfillment than you now have. This is for you if you're committed to rising above the distractions and compulsions that are sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're done trying to lone wolf it through life, this is for you. If you're stuck in some critical area and you're ready for a breakthrough, or you know you need to be challenged and supported by other men, to help move you along on the journey of becoming the man you were born to be, this is for you. Essentially, this is for you if you are committed to thriving in every area of your life. If you're a man who knows there is more beauty, more depth, more satisfaction, more fulfillment, more truth to be experienced than what you are currently experiencing, this is for you. It includes personal coaching with me throughout the entire year alongside a select group of solid men going through this year with you. We'll also meet in person for a five-day retreat in a beautiful nature spot. Through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. You will be challenged to go beyond your comfort zone and you will be celebrated when you succeed or even when you fail, but you did the thing you were afraid of. Because this coaching experience isn't just about making more money or having more sex or achieving more of anything, only to still feel that void that just haunts us men. 
No, it's about each of us stepping more deeply into our courageously authentic selves and more fully offering our gifts to our loved ones, our families, our communities, and the world, whatever that looks like for you. In fact, listen to some of the words of men who enrolled in our year-long Elevate 2022 coaching adventure. I feel like I'm a different person. I see the world in a different, through a different lens. It says never too late, but I wish I would have done this uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm 48 years old now. I wish I would have done that 20 years ago. My experience in Elevate 2022 has been one of the most enlightening, emotional, spiritual journeys that I have been on in my life. I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of retreats, a lot of, you know, self-help, self-inner work, and this had so many amazing different elements to it. It was something I think that I, I don't know. I didn't know that I needed it, but I've, but I've needed it. So if their words inspire you or this experience intrigues you, get the details and apply at brianreeves.com slash elevate. It's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Now, this isn't for everyone. But if you have an inkling it might be for you, apply now. Just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself, the gift of brotherhood with extraordinary men. Again, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. All right, back to my lively and spirited conversation with Johnny L. Sasser. Now take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Johnny L. Sasser, my man, welcome to Men This Way. It's a privilege to have you on, brother. Hey, man, I'm honored to be on here. been looking forward to jamming out with you on the show. We had such a great conversation on, on my show, so it was a blast and just excited to be here hanging out with you, bro. Likewise, man. I'm, I'm really excited for the, the topic of our discussion today, centered around the word and the idea of masculinity. But before we dive into that, man, I'm aware that you are, you're kind of staring down a hurricane right now. Yeah, man. We got uh, <laughs> old, old Ian coming up. The uh -huh. uh, he, apparent, Apparently he kicked out back to the coast and then he's picking up speed to come back into Georgia and South Carolina. So we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, either late tonight or in tomorrow but uh yeah it'll be it'll be fun <laughs> it'll be fun how close to the coast are you oh we're we're just not too far we're a few miles from the beach so we're only okay. about 15 minutes from isle of palms yeah okay are you ex is there a storm surge expected oh yeah yeah there's gonna be a storm surge we're fortunate enough we're just a we're a little bit enough inland and we got enough um trees and stuff but there's a lot of waterways here so that's why it's like yeah. we'll see how it kind of shows up for us out here Yep. Um, but we're close enough. Yeah. We'll see. It's they're talking about 50 plus mile an hour winds, which I think they're going to be higher now. Cause they said it picked up. And then obviously this, the water surges that we're expecting on the coast and in the waterways. So, man, I, when I was in the air force, I was stationed at Patrick air force base down in, in Cocoa beach, Florida. Uh, I worked mm. at, I worked at Cape Canaveral air station. And I remember we had hurricane Floyd was headed our way. Oh, Hurricane yeah. Floyd was a cat five monster mm -hmm. that was barreling straight for the Cape. And I remember I, I worked with guys that had been through Hurricane Andrew and seen, mm -hmm. I think a Homestead Air Force Base had been leveled back mm. in the day. And I just remember the, the impending, like the world is about to end when mm -hmm. Hurricane, now Hurricane Floyd at the last second, turned northwards it like just literally came right up to our face <laughs> it's like a giant <laughs> like <later. laughs> bear came right up to our face and then just did a right turn and and went up to the carolinas and just destroyed the yeah. carolinas i'll never forget that i know this one's not as catastrophic at least not as it's headed your way but um yeah, I think Florida though it almost hit as a Cat Five or was a yeah. Cat Five, and it came. Damn, this close. thing's weird. It's 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 swung in west, then it came out east to the coast, and then it's swinging like back in, almost like an S. It's yeah, it's freaking yeah, yeah. weird, man. Well, wishing you yeah. and your family well, man, and uh, courage for the journey. There's a there's a sick part of me that loves the the inclement weather. You know, the challenge, the the chaos, all of it. And obviously, yeah. I don't want any harm 
to come to anybody and you know the other side of that so, yeah right same same way man same way so you know be I, good but i appreciate I, it and maybe that's an interesting start off for our conversation because i think there is you know we're, we want to talk about masculinity today right it's a it's a mm -hmm. it's a it's a conversation very much um being being addressed in the world today not always in 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 ways and, and maybe not even often or maybe even ever in ways that i personally find very helpful right that the, there's this whole idea of so-called toxic masculinity a term that mm. personally i don't i don't find helpful um but let me let me put this into your lap uh actually no wait a second before we go there johnny <laughs> before we go there i'm eager to get there but before we go there let's you know i've, I've given your formal intro in uh, your bio in, in in the introduction tell us about let, let, let's let's have our listeners learn more about you man let me slow down <sighs> deep breath yeah yeah, you know, I took a big hiatus from podcasting, so I'm just getting back into the swing of it. I'm like an exuberant little puppy getting back in. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it, Johnny. Share with us a story that you know from your earlier your life, your youth, maybe and maybe as a teenager, but something that shaped your experience that shaped who you have become as a man. Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, I guess it, it was a teenager and it was kind of coming into manhood. I was 17 years old and um, I was getting out of high school and no one had talked to me about college or anything like that. And I saw, you know, I was a, I was a senior. So, you know, the way my birthday landed, I was either going to be really young for my age or really old for my age bracket, like for school. So my mom put me in young because then she's like, well, if he's an idiot, then he can go stay an extra year. and It's not super weird. Right. So like, so it worked out. I, I, I stayed young and I was good enough to do that. So I was getting out, I was 17 years old. I was getting out of high school. I'd played uh soccer for, you know, up into that point, tons of soccer, multiple teams. I was on the number one team ranked in California, but I hadn't done any ACTs wow. or SATs. I wasn't looking at getting like, I, I, I guess apparently at that time, they couldn't scout you if you hadn't taken any of your tests to go into college. So I wasn't getting scouted, but I was on the number one team in California and I was, uh, going to school and I, I, I didn't have any, you know, letters from colleges. I hadn't applied anywhere and had all my friends coming back. Like I'm going here, I'm got accepted and all this stuff like that. And I'm like, Holy crap, dude, I did nothing. Like I literally did nothing. Nobody talked to me about it. I didn't even know how to get into city college. Like no one talked to me about mm. student loans or anything like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know any of this stuff. And I had talked to my friend earlier that year, and this kind of gave me an aspect of how the universe works is I talked to a friend of mine earlier that year in high school, and he was my, my best friend at the time. And he, uh, he was like, Hey man, you ever heard of these army Rangers or Navy seals or special forces? And I was like, bro, no. And I was like, I, I would never go in the military. Why would I even care? So I started reading about them and I was like, man, I saw that if I was like, if I was going to go, these army Rangers would be the guys that I want to go be like, they, they seem bad, like just bad. And I, and I, I love water, but I'm not a huge fan of like organized swimming or like long swimming. So that kind of ruled seals out for me. And I didn't really want to go train indigenous forces. So I wasn't really on the SF bandwagon. So I was like, these Rangers though, they freaking knocking heads, dude, this seems like fun. So cutting down time. I show up in an army recruiter's office <laughs> and talk to them about going into the military. And at the time we were in, it was hot in Iraq. This was in 2004. So we were hot in Iraq. They needed a lot of bodies because we got into that big uh, battle in Fallujah and they wanted guys to go there. So this, uh, this recruiter says, Hey, you know, we're going to sign you up for the military. When you get to your unit, you can be an army. You can ask them to be an army ranger. They'll, they'll let you go through the training. Not the case really, but they'll let you go through the training. I was like, cool, sign the contract. And I go into training. Well, the reason why I even tell this story, because you're talking about what changed me to be the man that I am today or where I've gotten today was that I, I realized what perseverance and being gritty and tough really is and actually putting one foot in front of the other. And that was when I got into basic training, I just literally wouldn't quit. I, I was the best at a lot of different things, which allowed me to stand out. And I actually, my drill sergeant came up 
handed me an army ranger contract and I signed it in basic training, which is almost unheard of. I wasn't mm -hmm. in a recruiter's office or anything. I wasn't at a unit. He had me sign it. And the next thing I knew I was going to airborne school and then going to rip. And when I went to rip, obviously that was where you really get the crap kicked out of you. That's where they want you to quit. And again, that just that perseverance came out a 17 year old kid. I didn't know any better. I just didn't, I just knew that if I woke up every day and I just showed up that day, I wasn't going to quit. I didn't look to like two days ahead or three days ahead or the end of it. I just looked at literally that day and that was it. And so yeah. it taught me two things that brought me to this, this place in my life, presence and perseverance. And without those two things, I couldn't be the man that I am today because it helps me even with entrepreneurship, helps me with where I'm at in life. Uh, psychologically, it helps me with my relationship, all of those things. So those two things really em empowered me to be the man that I am today. Qu question about, I just did a whole episode with a, a woman, uh, Alana Pratt, we, we talked about presence the whole time in, in the context of intimate relationship. What do you mean by presence in the context of the story you just shared? Presence means that you're not, you know, if you live in the past, and this is where a lot of men live, is they live in the glory days of who they used to be. And essentially, they're living in death, because you're not living in any type of moment that you're having an experience in life, you're experiencing something that already happened, hmm. which you can't change. And that's what you're holding on to. Because for some reason, in your mind, that was ingrained as 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 a glory day for you or glory days for you. That was the pinnacle in your mind. And so you're not in presence. And when you live in the future, you're living in something that's unknown. So what you're doing, this is, it's kind of like vacations, right? Like you look, you plan out a vacation and all you're doing is looking for the vacation. And then all of a sudden you yes. realize that the month leading up to the vacation, you don't remember what you did with your kids. You don't remember what you did with your wife. You don't remember what you did yourself every day. You don't remember how you showed up or what you said to people. All you see is this, this, this vacation. And so you missed a whole month of your life in, in the grand of things when you're like, well, John, I live till I plan on living to 80 or 95 or whatever in the grand scheme of things, you know, a month isn't that big of a deal, but that's not predictable to say, I'm going to live till 95. What's predictable is the day that you wake up. And so presence means being in that, that, that day and being conscious of how you're speaking to people, how you're speaking to yourself, how you're treating people, how you're showing up and influencing those who look up to you, how you're, how you're being a, a leader in your own ecosystem, how you're being a colleague. It's literally looking at every day as that is the only known I have. So I need to show up as my best self that day regardless if it's a Monday or a Friday or a Saturday, you know, it doesn't matter. It's showing up as that man or woman, right. That you desire to be and that you want people to see. I remember when I was, uh, so I was five years active duty and I, I worked with a lot of civilian contractors and I remember uh, I was stationed in Oklahoma city. I worked in a building, an old cold war building that was, one mile long by three quarters of a mile wide. And mm. it had seven windows in that entire <laughs> building, seven windows, just concrete, right. concrete bunker. And I remember, you know, I, in the military, we're only there for a couple of years. You know, we, we rotate in and out that we were, we get replaced and move on to another thing. But, but the civilian contractors that were there, like they spend their whole careers there. And I mean, inside was an, ocean of cubicles you know you stand on your chair look over you know your cubicle and you just see literally an ocean of cubicles yeah. it's pretty much as far as your eyes can see <laughs> it's just cubicles and i remember a lot of the the people that i that i worked with the civilians that i that i worked with they were just playing for retirement mm -hmm. just playing for retirement in fact when i left I went on an amazing adventure around the world. I, I, when I got out of the military, I just, I just had just epic adventure. I married a French woman. I crashed and burned mm -hmm. at that, you know, lived in France. I went to Egypt and I lived with a guru in India for a couple months. Like I just, I just went off the deep end in, in a beautiful and crazy way. And then I came back to that depot in Oklahoma city, like six years later. And there were people sitting in those chairs doing the same thing that they had done six years ago 
still the only thing that had really changed and i'm i know i'm being a little judgy here and i don't mean to be i mean you know respect for the people taking those positions doing that work i don't mean to be sure. disrespectful i just remember being struck by it felt like what you just said it felt like the walking dead in yeah. that building people were they were alive they were breathing but it just felt like death that's exactly what it is yeah and it's that when people live like that you're not like how how could you expect to be happy? You know, really, like you're you're literally living. Most of those people are living for the weekend, right? So again, still not being present. They're like, hey man, Friday night hits. I'm going out. I'm getting drinks with friends. All the shit. Like they're living for the weekend, or they're like, well, I used to be this. I'm just doing this for retirement. Okay, I don't care what you used to be. Like, who are you today? So yeah, man, it's it's wild. Now. I'd like to explore a little bit more of your story before we before we move on because I'm I'm also I'm acutely aware that when so you served so you were in the Rangers in active duty when you got out of the military you transitioned to being a if I if I have this language right like a bodyguard essentially for yeah. uh, an ambassador was that right Yep yeah three different ambassadors that went through Iraq yeah three different ambassadors to Iraq and then. Uh, which is a, a, a something of a continuity of the military style mission and then mm -hmm. you and then you exited out of that came back stateside now you're you're here essentially transitioning into civilian life and if i understand your story mm -hmm. correctly that was disorienting for you oh yeah absolutely took about six months yeah I mean, I, I relate to that deeply because when i got out at 26 i was so eager to get out of out of the military experience. It was just, I felt so, I, I was dying. I just felt dead. And I was so eager to, to get to life. But when I got out, I was so fucking lost. I was so disoriented. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I literally just grabbed a backpack and, and went to Europe and just wandered. And mm -hmm. I, had, I had a nervous breakdown. I had no idea where to go. I had no idea what I was doing. And, and you know, that period lasted me a few years. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious, what happened for you in your when you came back those six months, like, you know, cause you've been in this, this very, again, traditional masculine environment, you have direction, you have a mission, you have a purpose, you are protecting somebody physically, you know, you, you, you have your know, weapons of war at your disposal. I mean, there's just a, you're, you're in a, you're in a, 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 an environment where violence is ever present, the, at least the possibility for it. So you're, you know, you're, your 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 backbone is is constantly straight and and upright and because you you have to be you have to be prepared mm -hmm. and then you come back into mm -hmm. here the civilian world where none of that is essentially present for you know maybe a few seconds here and there over the course of a year right yeah how, how what happened for you how was that for you well it, it was a few different things and one of the things too is, is none of that was present, um, back here in quote unquote, the real world. And then the other piece was people didn't really understand the level that you were at when you were in those jobs. So you come back to the civilian world and you're like, yeah, I was a Sergeant in special operations and they're treating you like you're, you were, you're like a cook at McDonald's and you're like, bro, I could run circles around the highest people in the federal government right now. And you're treating me like I'm a cook in the freaking like, so it, it was a, it was a very odd, uh, contrast to come back to you. And then not only that, but because, you know, I had been doing that stuff for a decade, I was paramilitary. I, I refer to that as paramilitary, which was protection. And then I it was in special operations. And I did, I was in and out and in those positions, I was in and out of the, uh, the Middle East for a decade. I was in those positions for a decade and you get out and you're essentially that, that, that really crafts who you are. So I had this big purpose, right. And it was, you know, this flag here, mm. it was the fact that I was doing something bigger than me. I was side by side with my brothers, but then it, it created the man that I was. There was a lot of confidence in that because I had very high levels of capabilities. I could think strategically on different levels. I could plan in a split second, all this mm. stuff. And then all that gets wiped away mm. and it gets wiped away. And you're like, oh, who am I without these things? Yeah. Who am I with, without a gun on my hip? Uh, who am I without you know, planning for this bigger purpose to protect these people who are doing a mission that's creating, you know, um, 
connection around the world so that we're not having such hostile engagements and stuff. Like, who am I without all these things? And that was the question I had for myself. And that's where after about six months, I was sitting there and, you know, for everybody listening, Brian and I talking about that cubicle farm. You, if you think we're judging, we only talk about that because we've been there before. Like I've been there before. And that's mm. why I can say these things and be like, yeah, I know what that's like. Cause I was a walking dead mm. and I was sitting there as a cog in the wheel. And I was like, it hit me. I was like, bro, what am I doing? Like, I'm literally like, I like this, everything I do every day and come in here and do means sh like nothing. It just means nothing. And I'm like, whoa, this is really sad. And that's when I started to drink more and started to live for the weekend and started to really just kind of check out on living life. And then the second piece to that was I sat there and had that, that introspection. And then I also had the introspection of, well, without all those other things, who, who am I now? I didn't write this story for me. That's what I realized. I didn't write who I was as a man. What, what I experienced and the men I was around wrote who I was as a man. And even though I loved a lot of those qualities, they actually didn't serve me in the quote unquote real world. A lot of them didn't. Some of them still do, but a lot of them didn't. Yeah. So when I had that introspection for myself, I was like, bro, I really don't know who I am. And then the more that I had that conversation, I started to realize I didn't know who the man was in the mirror because I started to be so far away from who I was as a ranger or who I was doing protection. I was so far removed from that man. And I had been, I couldn't cultivate who I was as a man in the real world that I just was kind of floating around aimlessly. Kind of like you said, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I had nobody to talk to. I didn't have a circle of men that I trusted because all the guys that I knew were still all working overseas and they also had their own crap they were dealing with in their own minds. But I was struggling to figure out like who was going to help be a guide, who was going to help hold me accountable, who was going to help me through this like dark time in my own mind. And my two best friends lived in California. My brother lived in California. So they weren't around. I talked to them, but they weren't around. It's, you know, when you're in person, you know, this, that energetic connection with your brothers is something that's really important. So I didn't have any of that stuff. And so for me, that was what the transition was like. It was rough. And that's where I, you know, it caused me to have a divorce. Um, it caused me to just go into my own darkness of, like I said, drinking too much, not being aware of what, like who I was around, how I was spending my time, what was going in my brain too, like what I was reading, what I was watching, how I was affecting all those things. I didn't have any of that stuff. So it really, for me, lasted uh, six months was when I realized it. And it probably lasted about two and a half years for me, where I was like really in that dark place with almost without even kind of knowing it was that dark until I got yeah. out of it. Yeah. You talk about the, the past experience def defined you as a man. And I think... You know, I remember, look, I, I was in the Air Force, you know, I, I never saw combat. I, I think, I think, you know, for a lot of people that serve in the military don't see combat, there's almost like a, like a guilt that comes with it as though I didn't go far enough. I didn't, yeah. you know, I, 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 yeah, sure, I wore a uniform, but I didn't really, I didn't sacrifice, you know, and I, and, and then I think what, what it can be a mind fuck because again, looking to figure out who the hell am I as a man? And if I don't go to these, these far edges, if I don't face death, let's say, I don't have that necessarily that, that conscious articulation of it, but it seems like there's this, there is this attractive force that we were talking about the hurricane earlier, right? There's this sort of, I mm -hmm. need to face calamity in order to know who I am. I need yeah. to face the potential for death in order to know who I am. And, and yet, you know, here you are a man who immersed himself in that world for a number of years, came out of it and still are questioning, who the fuck am I? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's fascinating. 100%. Well, it's because it's because the the story of masculinity in all of us is not written by us. So, you know, you, you know this, and I'm sure you've talked to your listeners about this, but from two to eight, our brainwaves are in theta. So that's what hypnosis uses to help reprogram you. Well, if you're sitting for six years without super conscious awareness of even negotiation with yourself and using that prefrontal cortex, when you're sitting for six years like that and your brain's just being wired by what you see, what you hear and how you're treated, well, 
a lot of that gets shoved back to the subconscious and becomes the foundation of how we interact as men in the world when we get older, which is why men are like, yeah, I don't know why I do that. I just do it. Or I don't know why I expect men to do that. I just expect men to do that. And so during all this time, we're sitting there and this stuff's written. And then as we get older, we can make more conscious decisions on what we include into our masculinity, but that's all by our surroundings. You know, Bandura's social learning theory talks about how when you're surrounded by these things, look at gang members. Why do they, why do they do the stuff they do? It's not because the fact that they're like, Oh, that's a great idea to go rob granny on the corner. They're like, no, that's what makes you a man in this environment. And I'm encircled with these dudes. So I go and do what they do. And so you start to add pieces on to masculinity like that. Well, at the end of the day, when you sit back and you look at it and you cross your arms and you're like, huh, the guy I am today, I didn't really write all this stuff. I didn't write this system. The system was kind of written for me. Huh? I didn't really choose all these things. That's when you start being like, oh, crap, dude, then who am I? That's where the question came up for me. I was like, bro, I didn't, I didn't write all this. Some of it I did, I chose, but majority of it, I didn't write for myself. I let that be dictated for who I, for where I was in the environment I was in and what I was expected to be. And so I had to look at that and say, well, dude, either you're going to sink down the hole. And it didn't matter the fact of where I immersed myself in this uber masculine culture. The way psychologically that we work, either I was going to keep going down this whole negativity, judgment, regret, and shame, or I was going to say, all right, cool. You had your time. Now take a, take a step back and let's truly evaluate then how you want to show up in every moment. And this is comes full circle back to that presence we talked about. How do you want to be in every present moment? Hmm. How do you want to be in every present interaction? And my goal was that I wanted to leave no conversation with feeling regret, shame, or guilt. I always wanted to leave a conversation or any interaction I had with any human being as the, the, my highest self and as the man that I chose to show up as consciously, not unconsciously. So that's where it started to become that evaluation piece for me. And that's why, regardless of whether you're immersed in these uber masculine environments or you have regret that you weren't, we're all one in the same because the system was written the same way for us, not by the same people or by the same, you know, aspects in life, but we were all written the same way and it wasn't written by us. I want to explore that in just a moment, but I want to, also, I want to just first acknowledge, you know, when I first met you, uh, I believe it was at uh, our brother Stefanos's birthday party. Yeah. Um, I remember I, I liked you immediately because I felt your presence. I felt like, wow, okay, this dude, I've met a lot of people. I even met some people at that party that I was like, okay, this person isn't present with me. There was actually a, yeah. a, a well-known celebrity there. I will not mention his name, but I remember, oh man, I, I introduced myself to him, not because I wanted to meet him, but because he started, he came up and started talking to a friend, a mutual friend and didn't acknowledge me. And so I was like, okay, yo, what's up, man? I'm Brian. And he, he said his name, his first name. He's like, oh, no, he didn't even say his name. He's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And I said, I'm sorry, what's your name? Yeah. You know, kind of drag him out of whatever celebrity slumber he was in. Like, dude, don't expect that I fucking know you. You know, yeah. it was very, it was very like, <laughs> like, don't, 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 I don't play that game. I don't fucking put you on a pedestal. I'm, I'm, who the fuck are you? Tell yeah. me your name. Like, you know, it was like sort of, that's my, that's my little rebellious attitude guy. That's like trying to slap another man into presence a little bit. Yeah, I guess, you know, for sure. Cause it, I didn't, it didn't feel good. It just felt like this guy is not here with me. And he just came up and interrupted a conversation, you know, an interaction and like, excuse me. And so, um, you know, I, I loved meeting you cause just you and I just dropped in right away. It was yeah. just like, oh, this, this is my boy. This is my brother. And we just, we, you know, yeah. that was, that was I, I enjoyed that. I, so I, you know, I just want to acknowledge your practice of presence. It, it, it shows, it reveals. I appreciate that brother. Yeah, man. Likewise, likewise. So let's talk about the, then, then, then who wrote this for us? Where did this come from? Right. Mm -hmm. This, the story of masculinity. What, what say you about that? <laughs> the story becomes, uh, it's not really necessarily who it's kind of a conglomerate. And so you have different theories behind that, but Raywin Connell talks about this and she's a, she was the preeminent researcher for masculinity within society, which started about like the seventies. So it's a super young 
when you think of scientifically or social sciences, it's very young. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that, you got to look at the combining pieces that, um, that talk about it. And you have the semiotic theory, the normative theory, the positivist. And when you look at these theories of how these were written for us, you look at, okay, you know, um, the normative theory, which is a major one for me. And I think for many men, a lot of times it's what we see on TV or like the characters we see in shows or movies. Right. So like yeah. many of us, our age definitely can talk about like, Oh, we used to watch John Wayne or Clint Eastwood or Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was these dudes who were very stoic. They were this lone wolf. And then they ended up saying they got the woman and they were always there to defend everybody and to show up and make these grandiose gestures of, of saving everyone's life. Right. So like that becomes, that becomes a piece of how we develop ourselves as men. And so when you combine that with something like a lot of people think it's our fathers, it's actually not a lot of times it's not our fathers. What, what it is when we look at how we develop as men, it's when we're young boys, we have certain affinities towards people in general, whether it could be an uncle, whether it could be, it could be your father, whether it's a older sibling or something like that. It can be a number of different people, but we look to them and then they become a figure that we create a value system for in which we gather what they do and then say, okay, that's the right thing to do as a man. Right. And so we have to understand that we really have to look at the traits as men. We have to look at the traits as men and say, okay, what is it that we've been presenting as traits of masculinity and we hold value for? Like some people are like, bro, if you're not in shape, you're obviously a bitch and you're not a man. And you're like, really? Okay. I, I don't know about that, but cool. But that's, but that's what they, that's how they, they wrote their story. And that story was written could have been because the fact they watched every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and then they got to the gym and then whatever. So it's understanding that these pieces were were kind of brought together in different ways. The semiotic theory is we associate actions with masculine and feminine. The positivist theory is we we end up taking a scientific approach of like um, of looking at the amount of actions done by like 10 men, right? So for a simple thing, if we see 10 guys do one thing or seven out of 10 guys do one action, that becomes masculine, right? Mm. So we end up taking a piece that's um, that is like a, a grouping of the majority. And then there's one other theory of where we take one piece. So for instance, you're like, okay, protector, a protector is masculine, right? That's it. You, if a guy's a protector, he's a man. So you got guys that are like, for instance, the doomsday preppers, right? That mm -hmm. are up in the mountains, like Colorado and shit. These guys are like, they got underground bunkers. They got all this stuff and they look at you and they're like, bro, how'd you, how are you prepped for the zombie apocalypse? And you're like, oh, I got my house. Like I'm just I'm hanging out. I got some guns, but I'm cool. They're like, bro, you're not a man. Cause like I got, I got bunkers. Like I got quarantine chambers. I got all kinds of stuff. And you're like, all right, bro. Cool. But they, they wouldn't view us as men, you know, they wouldn't view us as men. Cause they're like, they're like, bro, you're not even prepared for the zombie apocalypse. So there's all these different features that we have to take into consideration when we think about masculinity on top of the fact of like sociologically, when we look at people and we're being socialized, especially when we can't understand words, we're literally just looking at actions, right? We see dad, we see mom, we see boy, we see girl. What do they, what does a boy do? Those actions are, are men. What did the girl do? That's feminine. Cool. And then we categorize them that way. And so we have to understand that those get all played into the psyche. Now I say all this just to say at a moment when you become aware of all this, you have to step back and then you need to say, okay, let me write down the way I see men, the way I see what a man truly is. And you write down all those traits and those become what was written for you. You're like, okay, well, I see these. I kind of like a couple of them, but I really don't like a lot of these. Do, do I really think if I held these, do I hold these up to every man and say, if you don't meet these, you're not a man. And most of us do, to be honest, most of yeah. us do. But then we realize that we don't meet a lot of these too. And that's what becomes, that's where the disharmony comes. 
that's when why this is firmly why I believe men are incredibly, incredibly great, harsh critics of themselves and terrible supporters of themselves. Cause they're looking at this and they're like, bro, I don't meet any of these. And I'm going to strive my whole life to meet a set of rules. I didn't write for myself and I don't meet them, but then I hold every other guy against them and those guys don't meet them. So then you're like, well, what is it really being a man then? And that's when you have to dive in and say, well, let me write this for myself. What do I really believe being a, a strong man is today? You know? So I, I, there, something comes up for me as you're, as you're, as you're exploring this, I'm, 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 the lack of trust that we men have in other men. Mm -hmm. I, I was really shocked to see this in myself that, you know, eight, nine years ago, when I first started really stepping into men's work, uh, probably I was probably around 39, 40 years old. And yeah, I was confronted with the, with the fact that I didn't trust other men. I was so fucked up about what is a man even anyway, like you're saying, what is a man? And here I am holding up sort of the, the, you know, and this is eight, nine years ago before we were even collectively really talking about this stuff before the Me Too movement and the reckoning that that, that brought up for men. Um, you know, even before toxic masculinity was a word, was a term before a lot of this stuff was what we were talking about it. I remember in a way like rejecting all the qualities of a man because mm -hmm. the, the qualities that I looked out and saw, I, I didn't want to emulate. I pretty much, you know, saw two two spectrum two extremes of the spectrum, which was, you know, a man is either weak and impotent, or he's aggressive and dominating. Mm -hmm. You know, one one of the two, and neither one of those. I mean, I'm I'm dramatically simplifying the different characteristics, but that's kind right, of what yeah, I looked yeah. into the world and saw. It was like there was either just the asshole dude who just gonna want to fucking he wants to fuck every woman in the room, and and he he and and I can't trust him. Cause he doesn't, yeah. he can't, he like, again, he can't be present with me. He's not, he's not going to be attuned to me. He's just trying to get his, his, his balls in, in somebody or, or get his <laughs> bank account filled, whatever. Yeah. Or there's the other guy who's like such a nice guy. So, you know, the, the Mr. Nice guy thing. So bend over backwards for me, or he'll just, he, he just disconnected from his desire, disconnected from, from his balls. He might be a smart dude, but I, I just, I can't feel him. I can't feel his backbone. I can't feel his strength or I don't trust it because he lives up in his head, disconnected from his mm -hmm. body, et cetera. Well, I didn't feel good around that guy either. So here, but here I am, I'm a, I, I'm a man. I identify as a man, but I, I don't even know what qualities to look to. Mm -hmm. Like what the fuck is a man? Because everything that I'm seeing out in the world for the most part, certainly elder men or older men. I had a couple of male friends that I really liked and admired. And, but again, you know, I'm, I'm looking for where are my elders, the men that, that come before me that, 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 that I, I mean, traditionally in, in indigenous cultures, right. It was the elder men who would initiate the boys into manhood. Not that yeah. they would tell them what a man is, but they would guide young men into their own manhood. And I didn't have that. Few yeah. of us men had that in our elders. So, you know, it, the whole thing just seems like a shit show mm -hmm. a, a, as a man coming of coming of age. And, and I, you know, I, I only started asking these questions at, at fucking 39 or 40, yeah. not 20 when I became yeah. a man, you know, yeah. biologically anyway, if not certainly not psychologically yeah, or emotionally. So how do we then, how does a man who is listening to our conversation and can really relate to the, the disorientation around, you know, his distrust for men, his uncertainty about, you know, even that guy that is the dominating, that believes anyway, the, the dominating force, that's what makes a man, you know, you go into the boardroom and you kick ass, you go into the bedroom and you fuck her to high heavens, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you, you go on the, on the battlefield and you, you kill everybody. <laughs> that, yeah. like, the three B's, the boardroom, the bedroom, and the <laughs> battlefield, right? And you just dominate. That, that guy knows yeah, I, I believe most men, even in that mindset, know somewhere inside they know, ah, I'm missing something. Yeah. Yep. You know, how do men begin to allow themselves even, you know, you say step back and look at yeah. the definitions I've been living with. H how do they begin to even then reassemble, you know, a, a new definition or a new 
in the midst of all of this? Is is my question, uh, there's a question in here. You might have to sort of pull it out of me a little bit. Yeah. But do you hear what I'm, what I'm pointing at? It's a good question. I know, I, I know exactly where you're going to. Okay. And it's a, it's a big answer because there's so many different modalities, right. To yeah. get to that point. And I'll take a step back real quick. That last, that last piece, it was the, it was the essentialist. That's the doomsday prepper I was referring to. So you have the okay. four theories, which is uh. positive, semiotic, normative, and essentialist. Anyways, I just want to clear that up. So everybody Great. knew yep. you guys can research those. Those are, those are forms of developing masculinity. So, um, when you're looking at that, though, there's so many different modalities, and I, and I use the one that creates authenticity, right? And authenticity, any stage, if you want to be a happy man in this life, like if you just want to live your life to your fullest and be happy, you got to be authentic because discomfort and disharmony within you comes from not being authentic. That's when you're like, yeah, I just did something I know I was not happy about. Or I just said something I know I was it was not connected with me. Why the hell did I even say it? Like that becomes what what men are today. And to create some kind of harmony and create that uh, happiness, you got to have authenticity. So for me, the modality of getting to that point is when you are actually going and then writing out what you like as a man, because this is what I recommend guys do. They write down what they desire to be as a man and the things that they currently value as a man, they need to write those down. And then what I do is I actually go through a process where they give me a whole list of this. And then we honestly boil it down to like three things. And I say three because in war, I found out when you are under high levels of stress, you resort back to your lowest level of training. And I say lowest level of training, and it's your lowest level of consistent training, which is why special operations is such an amazing community because our lowest level of training is so high, we embarrass people. Mm. But when everything <laughs> hits, when shit hits the fan, when shit hits the fan, complexity goes out the window because you're no longer in a parasympathetic state. So when I tell people, when I tell men, you got to boil this down to like three things that just mm. freaking are so ingrained in you that feel mm. so good to you that if you show up as those three things in any situation in your life, mm. you will never have regret. Mm. You will always be standing firm in that authenticity. So we get down to those three features of what they, those core features of what they feel makes a man and how they feel if they showed up every time like that, they would be proud of themselves. They'd mm. hold their head high and their shoulders back. I go down to that because mm. when they're in a fight with their wife or, or girlfriend or whether they've had a rough day at work and they get home and they're impatient with their kids or whether they are planning on going out drinking with friends, when they're not in a parasympathetic state, they're able to say, if I hold these three core values, they can remember them and they can say, that's exactly where I'm going to train myself to be. So for me, it's boiling it down to that, making sure that you write those down and you put them in a place that you see them every single day and you read them and you actually read them and you coexist with them. So they become part of exactly where your brain goes neurologically when you go to a sympathetic mm. state. Love That's that. what I tell guys to do because I want guys to be able to react in the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And then on when, when you can do that, when you can react in authenticity with yourself in the worst case scenario, you can get complex after that. That's when you can start to train to higher levels and then consistently train that. And that becomes your new lowest level of training, right? But you got to have a strong foundation and that's the basics. The basics are like three features you can remember in any state of mind that you're like, those three will always be here. If I show up as those three, I'm good to go. And if I'm not showing up as those three, I know how to ask myself, Hey man, am I being that way? Am I not honoring myself in one of, in these three areas? Okay, cool. I need to change my approach right now. So for me, that's what it's all about. When you talk about, okay, how do we get to that? How do we, cause we, we don't necessarily have initiations anymore. We don't have a rite of passage for men. You have essentially in Western culture, you have two rites of passage. You have gangs and you have uh, military. That's it. Everything else is, is non-existent. 
So how do we do this is we have to go and recalibrate what we were given. That's that to me is what we have to do because at the end of the day, until somebody builds a rite of passage, until there's something that takes and sweeps Western culture, men through this rite of passage at a young age, we have to go and recalibrate as we're young men to say, okay, before I get deeper into this, let me find my authenticity. Uh, that's beautiful. I, and I think, you know, I was in a fraternity in college and I think fraternities are just college gangs. <laughs> yeah. you know, ha ha hazing is just a, a, a pseudo initiation, you know, adolescence initiating adolescence. Mm -hmm. yep. It breaks my heart when I, I see even just the confusion and the pushback, even in the college world of, you know, wanting to shut, sh sh wanting to clamp down on hazing. I understand the need for it. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a skilled initiatory practice. Um, mm -hmm. it is kids initiating kids. So I get it, but I also, nobody's meeting the need. Nobody's then stepping in and meeting the need. Same with, you know, gangs and, in you know, stressed neighborhoods. And uh, so question for you, what are your, what are your three core values or features? Well, I I've built five for myself because I've expanded on my, my three. Cause you're a beast, man. Cause you're a beast. <laughs> what are your five? I wouldn't say I'm a beast, but I do, I do, uh, <laughs> I do like to, I, I like to build and get complex as I get a strong foundation. So yeah. my five are intelligence, intellect, communication, protector, and empathy. Those are my five. Got it. I like to have all those. I, I love that. And I think, look, I think the, I think that's a, I know the more that we do this work, the more complexity we can can step into, the more nuance. But I think when when we are beginning this work, to your point, distilling it down to just some basic, easy to wrap our mind around things is crucial. If if we try to embrace complexity too soon, is we're lost. It's hopeless. Well, you're you're building a foundation on a house of cards, and then you're yeah. trying to put a, a stone building on top of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I was in special operations, we hounded the basics because the fact that we knew we were going to get very complex overseas, and if those basics weren't so tightly ingrained in us, we were going to screw everything up. So that's why I do it the way I do with men. Uh, last question, and then I have a little my own little lightning round. I know you did that in your your podcast. Yeah. I, I'm experimenting with a new one for my own. So you and I have just had a, a very thorough and, and uh, pr profound, I say, conversation. Uh, we've, we've gone through a couple of different topics and, and stuck our toes in here and dove in deeper over there. And so we can leave men with and, and women that are listening um, with, with something to, to, to hook on to. What is then one key insight Johnny, that you would offer our listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours. Be inquisitive of your own thoughts. Mm. That's my biggest thing. Because if you start questioning why you're thinking something, it allows you to get to the root of, of what potentially put that in your mind or what potentially is inside of you that you're conflicted with before you start to speak. So being inquisitive of your own thoughts to me has been one of the, it's helped me in my relationship. It's helped me in the way I've created a brotherhood around me, the men that I keep in my life. It's created so much wealth of experience and also understanding of who I am. Like I question a lot my own thoughts and I question why I'm thinking it or why I would like to say something. And because of that, I'm able to most of the time catch myself and not step on myself when I really mean to respect somebody, I don't mean to disrespect somebody or if it's whatever the case may be. But if I'm inquisitive about my own thoughts, it allows me to really get to the root. Is it truly aligned with me for that thought? Or am I running on some programming? Am I running off of something that isn't really that I believe, but I'm wanting to say it or think it or do it, right? So mm -hmm. understanding and being inquisitive of your own thoughts is that for men and women, most profound thing you can do, in my opinion, just really great. Most profound workshop I ever went to was Byron Katie's nine day school for the work where all we did was for nine days, just question our stressful thoughts. There you go. That blew me the fuck open, man. I, I, I just was, I was just a open heart for the next, for the next month. I couldn't, I couldn't have a conversation without crying. I was so yeah. ripped open. It was so profound. Yeah. I love that answer. 
So, all right, this final little lightning round. Um, again, I'm experimenting with it. I'm not sure I have a good name for it yet, but I'm I'm calling it your five core emotional triggers. Hmm. Okay. And and the five emotions we're working with here are are mad, sad, joy, fear, and the fifth one. Uh, I'm I'm making it optional, either shame, embarrassment, or just whatever makes you want to hide from the world. So I'll walk you through. Mm. We'll go one yeah. by one. What makes you mad? Could be anything. What makes you mad? Ooh. Um, man, <laughs> kind of embarrassing for me uh, because it, I feel really judgy by saying it and I'm working on it. So it's one of those things. But one of the things I get mad about is when somebody does, like I can't pinpoint a, a scenario, uh, but when somebody does something really dumb, and like, like not like, it just is illogical. Like it's uh -huh. so illogical that uh -huh. I'm like, bro, what went through your head when you did this? Like, uh -huh. like if like for, I'll give you one scenario. Like if I'm parked in a parking lot, right. Okay. Uh -huh. And there's like 30 other parking spots that are available and a car parks right next to me. And there's like nothing in the other part in the okay. parking lot. You're like, bro, like what went through your head when you said, I'm just going to park next to this guy when I could have parked anywhere. That's there's funny. no other car like that. Yeah. That to me is like, so things like that, like illogical decisions kind of okay. really make me mad. So, so I'm guessing a lot of the world makes you mad. That's fair. Me well, too, man. I said, right. Yeah. I said, I'm working on it. I said, I'm working on it. <laughs> well, you know what I love, what I'm enjoying about this, this, this little five question, this little last lightning round here is look, a lot of times we men, we don't feel like we have permission to feel what we feel. Yeah, you know, and I and I and I'm, I'm so I'm experimenting with this because look, dude, we all have these feelings. They're all and they're not necessarily logical, and we, and we know in some way they're fucked up, you know. Yeah. And but but God damn it, this is what is right now, and yeah. and so here we go. <laughs> okay, great. I love it. I love it. What makes you sad? Usually, like any, honestly, like any harm that I see come to kids, like makes me really sad mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they like kids have such an. Uh, an innocent mind about them and an innocent soul that they're, they're typically filled with like love and anything that happens, like any, anything that impacts a, a child in a negative way, especially if it's a, an adult doing something to them, it kind of makes me really sad. Yeah. Thank you. What makes you feel joy? Ooh, uh, a lot of exhilarating things. So things like shooting guns, uh, <laughs> flying in helicopters, being outdoors. Like I love yeah. hiking love all that stuff. So yeah, I would say exhilarating stuff, whitewater rapids, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. Like ex extreme sports, some kind of extreme activity. Yeah. It just makes me come alive. Yeah. I oh, I just love it. Yeah. What makes you feel fear? Ooh, um, honestly, uh, the biggest thing that makes me feel fear is being, uh, helpless for a situation and, it, not that I would physically be helpless in a situation myself, but like, for instance, when I'm not home and mm -hmm. I think about if something could happen to my wife or something while I'm not there to, to be there to protect her or protect the house, like that, that's what drives me fear. If I'm personally in the scenario, there's not a lot of things that cause me fear, but when I'm not able to, like I'm helpless to do something in a scenario that causes me fear. Thank you. Yep. And finally, what causes you to feel shame or embarrassment or just something that makes you want to hide from the world? Mm. Um, the biggest thing that comes to mind is when I come out of my five core values and I say or act in a way that doesn't follow those. Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example here, which uh, this is something I've worked on for a long time, but when you're in a conversation with somebody and they start talking about something like some subjects, say like astrophysics, and they'll be like, Hey, do you know about like this theory? Cause they're going to go and tell you a little bit about it. And you shake your head. Yes. And I've done this so many times. I think a lot of us do. And we want to act like we're like smarter. We know something mm -hmm. that they know just to, just to kind of like be part of the conversation. And honestly, it seems so little, but that is something that caused me like shame if I do that. And I, I don't do it as often anymore. I rarely do. I'll ask questions now. I make it a point to do that if I don't know, but I've caught myself time, you know, every once in a while where I do it and I'm like, damn it. And then it, and then like, I leave the conversation. I'll be like, why did I do that? And it causes me like shame. It really does. I'll be like, man, I can't talk to this person again. They know I was lying. Yeah. They know I don't know about this. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so that causes me shame and like, not yeah. want to like, 
reach out to that person yeah. and talk to them. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I appreciate yeah. your honesty, man. Thank you for playing with me. Yeah, brother. Um, anytime. Uh, Johnny, where can our listeners learn more about you and, and what you're up to? Well, I just want to first thank you for having me on the show, brother, and being able to speak to the community. This is of course you and I just always connect really well and just love having conversations with you. So appreciate you. Yeah. Um, everybody, you guys can find me at johnnyelsasser.com. That's got everything from, you know, my podcast on there to the events that I run to any kind of coaching programs that I have. So just go over there. Um, it's uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y and then L Sasser's E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R. So yeah, brother. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes and I'll say it again in the outro and Johnny's a good man. Johnny, I've really appreciated just the, the, the few brief interactions that we've gotten to have. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed and, uh, I hope that our, our friendship ha has time and space to develop in the future. Uh, but brother, it's such an honor to have you on men this way. Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Thanks brother. Appreciate you too. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you again to Johnny L. Sasser. You can find Johnny at www.johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, L. Sasser, E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R.com. And of course, that link and any other relevant details will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. Also, remember, if you'd like to experience empowering transformational coaching with me to help elevate your intimate relationship experiences or elevate your life in some meaningful way, go to brianreeves.com elevate. It's Brian with a Y, reeves.com elevate. And fill out the application on that page to get started on your coaching journey with me. Depending on when you hear this, we may be full, but no worries. Just fill out the application. There are other ways we can work together to help you get where you want to go. And lastly, please go write a review of this podcast right now on your podcast app. Doing so helps me and this show immensely. It also helps other people realize that this is a trustable space. I deeply appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired. <laughs>